seated, before you're seated today, I just want to uh, acknowledge we're kind of taking a stand against Satan today. So would you say that with me? Oh, we're taking a stand. Let's do this. I've, this I'm going off the cuff here. But let's say this. Together we stand. Together. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> hey, we're glad you're here today, whether you're online or on the radio or you're with us. We are taking a stand against Satan. I'm so thankful you're here. I made a mistake earlier in the week on social media, and I knew it almost as soon as I did it. I, I said something like this. If you are in a spiritual battle, join us this week as we take a stand against Satan. And the reason that is wrong, no matter who you are, whether you have yet to accept Jesus as your Savior or you've been a lifelong believer, we are in a spiritual battle with evil. That's not something to get very excited about, is it? But we're in a battle. And it's time to take a stand because we're better together when we do that, when we acknowledge that. I pray this month you have been encouraged as we study the book of Ephesians and learn to take a stand together because we are better together. We have focused on our unity with Christ as we have been divided as a nation. We have learned that we're better together when we praise him together. Whether you praise him together with your family online or in your home or whether we can gather here. It, we're just better when we're together praising God. We're better when we're together living in forgiveness. Man, I've heard some testimonies this month about forgiveness happening. And it just gives me such joy. Last week, we understood that we're better together when we build each other up. And I am focused today on the fact we're better together battling evil. Now, you can battle alone, but we're meant to do this in community. We're meant to battle against Satan with one another. Uh, make no mistake, we're battling against evil forces that are beyond what we can physically see. I think just beyond our, our vision as humans, beyond maybe the walls of this church, and it may even be among us, there's a spiritual battle going on for you and your family and your soul. And I want you to be aware of that. And before that freaks you out, I also want you to know that the victory has been won through Jesus Christ. And yet we're in a battle. So it's this, the reality that the battle is real, but the victory has been won. And, and I am convinced that while we have unity in Christ, the evil in this world wants to divide and bring death to our nation, to our churches, to our families, and our marriages. And he is making some ground right now. Uh, based on the reports I see within uh, uh, stats, uh, within local churches, Satan has made a push during this COVID-19 and we've got to say, enough's enough, we're going to stand up against it. Look to what Paul says. Uh, ben just read this. He says, finally, after I've told you all about this unity, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand. Church, it's time to take a stand. Uh, husbands, it's time to take a stand. Uh, wives, it's time to take a stand. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it's time to take a stand against what Satan is trying to do to us, God's children, to the church. As much as you may have not want to hear this today, it's time for it to take a stand against our enemy. Well, who's that? It's not uh, another nation. That's not our main enemy. It's not a person of a different political point of view. It's not even that person that hurt you this week and you know they did it on purpose. It's not even that local drug dealer that, that sometimes in the 80s we wanted to unite against. That, that's the main thing we need to focus against. No, our, our main enemy is not one person or an organization. It is the devil. Look back to the text. It says, and take your stand against the devil's schemes. We have a real enemy. It is the devil. 
The devil is not a laughable cartoon character uh, that I think of uh, when, when my, and, and Tom and Jerry, you know, that, that lives and loves to be in hell just having all of his people down there with him, feeding uh, the flames with coal, you know, all day long. That's not who the devil is. He's not someone who uh, goes around in a red suit and a pitchfork. But our, our enemy is real. The Bible declares he's the great deceiver. He's a powerful angel who has fallen from heaven. He existed before we existed, and his power is greater than ours. Look what it says in Revelation 12. We see a glimpse of his fall, the war. It says, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. That's what he's been doing his entire life, leading people astray. He was hurled to earth and his angels with him. Too often, we think of the devil as some real dark character with bad clothes and even worse breath. But he is so much more real than that. He's so much more powerful than that. Uh, we, we need to understand a proper perspective of really who he is. The reality is he's attractive in so many ways. The devil is beautiful. Most of the time we encounter him. He deceives us. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul says this, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. We have to understand his nature was angelic. He was an angel, but now he's an angel of darkness, but he still puts on the face of an angel of light and beauty that attracts and deceives. He disguises himself in so many different ways, but Jesus gives us his true identity. Jesus says in John 8, the devil was a murderer from the beginning. So if you want to really know who the devil is, according to Jesus, he is a murderer. He wants to bring death. He's been that from the beginning, not holding to truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. You want to know how the devil, you want to know for sure if the devil's lying, if he's talking. If he's moving his mouth, there's lies. And we, we sometimes know people that's their general character, but that's the devil at the, at the core. His native language is, is lies. There's no truth in him at all. And yet we, we saddle up to him because he looks attractive. He, he looks like to offer hope, but he's sharing with us lies all the time to bring death, to murder us. We have a real enemy. And yet I believe most of us aren't aware of that. Some of you have heard this a lot. I grew up in the 80s where every other uh, youth group lesson was we were at battle with the devil. At least that's what it seemed like. I think one of the greatest, the devil's greatest schemes right now is he has us as a nation, as millions of people go through life, we literally think he is not real, and that is his greatest deception. He, he loves the fact that we're not worried about him, but here's what Peter says, be alert, be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Have you ever seen those National Ge Geographic uh, episodes with a lion? And they spot some prey, and man, they focus. They, they don't even blink. I, I, I watched a clip of it this week. I mean, they just keep their eyes on the target the whole time, waiting for the target to slip up, waiting for it to fall away from the pack, waiting to devour. I wonder if you're like that, unaware that you're even being watched, unaware that you're the target because you are the target. Be alert. We have a real enemy 
because we have a real battle. Look what the scripture says. For our struggle, some, some translations would say our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of dark world, against the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms. There's a battle, like I said, just beyond what we can see. You may have an, an ability to have an awareness of a spiritual battle. Sometimes I feel it, but I don't see it with my eyes. I've never physically seen uh, a spirit of evil, but here's what the Word of God says. There is a battle for us in the spiritual realm just beyond what we can normally see with our own uh, human senses. A lot of people are like, oh, I know there's guardian angels. God, God's blessed me one, you know, and maybe grandma's watching down on me. She's like an angelic blessing. No, the Bible says uh, there are angels sent to protect us and help us, but just the same way, there's just as many or more currently demons or angelic beings of evil around us, and there's a battle. It's real. We, we don't fight against things of this world. We fight against spiritual things. Jesus says this in John 10, 10, and Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That battle is real. He wants to bring death. So we have a real enemy. There's a real battle, and you are the real target. I don't know if that makes you feel special. It probably doesn't. You are the target of Satan. He wants to, to pull you out of the crowd. He wants to, to divide us as, as Christians. He wants to keep you isolated if you're a non-believer to the point where he can manipulate you you and over, overcome you. All of humanity is the target of Satan. If you're hearing this today, uh, maybe especially online, you're like, man, I'm never going to go to church, but I'm curious about Tyson talking about spiritual warfare. Right now, there's probably somebody at your door. There's some distraction on your phone. There's somebody coming into your life again in a surprising way. The dog may just be coming up to you wanting to be fed, but right now you're being distracted from hearing how much God wants to create peace in your life through Jesus. Satan is going to use whatever he can to keep you away from hearing the message of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in this room and you begin to be distracted. You're also getting alert on your phone. Your brain begins to wander. Maybe in someone in just a minute, uh, Satan may allow a cough or a sneeze to distract us and we may even clear the room, you know. <laughs> Satan will use whatever he can to keep us from focus on Christ, especially if you don't belong to him. So today, if you're not a believer in Christ, this is a message that you need to hear so that you can understand the warfare, the battle going on for you, because you're valuable. That's why you're being fought after. That's why there's so much effort put on you by Satan. At this moment, though, if you're saved, you're a tar there are targets on your back as well. Satan's time is short, and he is frantically fighting to see how many people he can frustrate and divide from Christ to pull away from him forever. But I want you to know, if you're a believer of Christ, this is not panic button time. In Christ, we have unity with him, and your future is secure because even though there's still a battle, the war has been won because Jesus defeated sin and death on Resurrection Sunday, and we live. Amen? But the battle is real. So we need to take a stand. Look back to the text, verse 13. Here's how we take our stand. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. That's why we're taking a stand. He says, put on the armor of God so you can stand. And then once you stand, keep standing more. Until he returns, we are called to stand strong in Jesus Christ. It is time to declare to Satan today in your heart, not just the preacher over the church. It is a time that I would encourage you to declare that you're taking a stand against Satan's attacks. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, Satan, you have no place in my family, in my marriage, in my life, in our church, in our community, in our nation. We have taken a stand, and he's going to fight back, but it's time for us to declare that. Why? Because the days are evil. He says, do this when the days are evil. Was this the day? Some people say, well, I don't know if the days are evil here. Look around. The days are evil. We're in evil times. Satan is allowed to roam and and influence the world right now for, for this short amount of time. These are evil days. Satan is using everything he can do to kill, steal, and destroy our lives and our relationships. He's having success at dividing us, at least socially. And I think what follows beyond that is, is an emotional division, is a spiritual division. We have to say, enough's enough. We're going to understand and respect social distancing, but we're not going to be divided emotionally and spiritually from one another. We've got to make a stand. I'm not sure that Satan created COVID-19. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I was like, I really don't care he, if he did or didn't. It's likely he did not. But he's using it any way he can to divide us, to get us depressed, to get us to doubt, to get us uh, separated from one another. What does a lion love to do? To pull a few people away from, from the tribe and then pick them off one at a time. Satan is doing a good job at dividing and distancing us from one another, the church, and even our marriages. And we got to take a stand and say enough's enough. His desire is to kill, steal, and destroy. He's desiring to bring death. Death is his greatest goal, and we fear death. I mean, you can see it all around. It is true, based on stats currently, in the world, there will be roughly one million people to die from COVID-19 in 2020. A million. And you're like, man, that's tragic. It is. But Satan has been using death forever. He is just using this specific thing to even create more doubt and more more, uh, fear in our lives and frustration. I think more disturbing than the fact that a million people die from COVID this year is over the past like 10 or 20 years, over a million people die annually worldwide from suicide. That bothers me more than COVID. Now, if COVID happens to your life and and you're overcome by that physically, that's a tragedy. But when people, year after year, millions of them take their own life, we have to make a stand and say, "That's that's not healthy, that's not acceptable. And yet no one's talking about the fact that many people are hurting and being overwhelmed and giving up because they've lost hope. We have hope to share. The global suicide rate has increased 60% since I was born, and it's exploding right now. Another thing that he's bringing death through and causing fear is cancer. Nearly 10 million people die of cancer every year. But even more than that, through smoking, alcohol, and illicit drug use and overdoses, 12 million people will die worldwide this year. But you can combine all of those things together, and that's not equal to the amount of death he brings through one thing that breaks my heart. In this year alone, in the last few years, roughly 45 million babies were terminated, and their lives were taken through abortion. 45 million. A million people die of COVID. But every year, uh, for a long time, and for the foreseeable future, unless we take a stand, innocent babies will be murdered. And it's time to take a stand, church, because that's, that's God's uh, most precious uh, prize is life. And life is created at the moment God grants life. It's not created whenever we say it is. God is in control. It's time that we take a stand. I believe Satan loves the reality that roughly 125 babies created in God's image, lives are taken every day. 125,000. 
It's time to take a stand. In a different light, a recent study in the U.S., just in U.S. alone, says uh, uh, 3,500 believers walk away from Christianity every day. I don't know how they come up with that stat, but we know people are becoming disinterested in the church and doing different things. 3,500 people every day are saying, I no longer want to have a part of this Christian community. Guys, we're better together. We need each other, and we've got to build each other up to, to take a stand against that type of dismissing. Also, nine churches close to never reopen every day during this COVID-19 crisis. It is elevating the idea that churches are closing because when we're so divided, church ceases to exist. Some people have recently said this, and I agree, that people have said this COVID-19 was really about your, your, uh, your physical health in our lives. Really, Satan's greatest battle is dividing us spiritually and in our community with one another. I think that's the greatest battle. While there is a health need, there's also a unity need that we must make a stand and say we're not going to be overwhelmed because we're united in Christ. Divorce rates and depression rates are dramatically on the rise. Well, what can I do? This all feels overwhelming. Here's what Paul tells us to do in Romans 12, 21. Do not become overcome or overwhelmed by evil, but overcome evil with good. It won't be enough for you to, on the day of judgment, when you get to go to heaven and and Praise God, we're forgiven, but God is calling us to live. It's not going to be sufficient to say, God, well, I really didn't think I could do anything. No, God says, overcome evil, all evil you see, with good. Do something good. It doesn't mean you're going to create a cure for cancer. It doesn't mean you're going to stop every wrongful death. But there can be something you do in your life right now that is good that overcomes evil. Maybe someone in your life is just depressed. They're alone. They're hurting. Go love on them. Meet a need. Make a stand and say, I'm not going to continue to let this be overwhelming, but, but I can't do this on, a, on my own. And I agree. We have to suit up. To make a stand, the Bible makes it clear we've got to suit up. Turn with me again to Ephesians. We're going to look at chapter 6, and so we're going to unpack the armor of God here. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to see how we can suit up with the armor of God. It says, Paul writes, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all, kinds of, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Here's the first thing I want to highlight about the armor of God. We're going to get into the details of this. But if you're going to suit up, you've got to suit up. Your parents can't suit up for you. I wish I could put on the armor of God for my children. I can pray for them. I, I woke up this morning. I was praying for them. They've got to put on their own suit. They've got to put on their own truth in their life. They've got to protect their heart from the lies of Satan. Your spouse can't put on your suit, your armor. Your pastor, as much as I would like to just say, okay, you're all suited up, you've got to choose to suit up yourself. I can remember going into battle in southern Indiana. The greatest battles I was ever in was really on the basketball floor. I mean, it was a big deal. And I can remember before one, we had a walk through one Friday before a, a tournament game. 
And our coach challenges, he goes, you guys got to suit up. You've got to decide if you want to play. You've got to decide if you're going to bring the passion to the floor. In much the same way and in much, much more, it is your decision to suit up and to, to, to enter life with passion for the sake of Christ. I can't do that. But there's a battle, and it will come for you. He starts with putting on the belt, the belt of truth. Paul would have been in prison here, we believe, chained to a Roman soldier. And I believe as he starts talking about how we can prepare ourselves for battle and suit up with spiritual armor, I think he just looks at the soldier he's chained to and is like, okay, first thing, this guy's got a belt on. He's got this shield and he's got a sword. And he starts just explaining to us how to prepare for a spiritual battle by using the illustration of this battle of a Roman soldier. And he says, put on the belt of truth. The belt uh, for a Roman soldier would have been the thing that tied the entire piece of armor together. It held everything together. It, it allowed him to, to, to move, especially during cold weather. I read this week that oftentimes they would wear these uh, l large uh, outer garments and they'd kind of be loose-fitting uh, to kind of keep the, the cold out. But before they'd go into battle, they would kind of pull it all up and, and tie it all around their waist, and then they would gird it all together with the belt. It would cinch everything together. It was the centerpiece. And for us, that's the same way. We have to be centered on truth that comes from God's word. The belt that you need centered in your life is not your opinions, not your feelings, uh, not what even your grandmother told you. It's the truth of God's word. That's what we're centered on. So much of our world is based on emotions. Well, I'll fight back now because I'm fired up. I'm emotional. I'll, I'll, I will take a stand when it feels wrong to me. We need to take a stand when God's word says it's wrong. Not how we feel. Remember this, Jesus said this, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a, he is a liar and the father of lies. So we need to stop listening to lies and know the truth and let it be centered to our lives. Let me ask you this. What's affecting how you feel and how you act the most? Is it commentary? Is it... A feeling you have uh, is a social media post. I mean, I'm, I'm as much as any of you. I can get fired up about a social media post. Is it maybe how someone um, uh, treated you? I mean, that just feels wrong. I'm going to fight back now. But here's, here's the, really what, what the Word of God here is saying. We need to be applying truth to our life so we can really know where to stand. And then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate for a Roman soldier was... A heavy piece of armor. It was protecting the vital organs, often the lungs and the heart. It was made often made of bronze. And in a battle, they'd put on a breastplate because if you would start to be in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and that's where devil is right now. He's right here with us. If we do not push back against him, he can either, even enter into a place like this. If we're not uh, praying in the spirit, if we're not worshiping in the spirit, Satan can come right up in any place in this world. And when he gets into hand-to-hand -hand combat, what, what, what a soldier will do is put a dagger into your most vital part, your heart, your lungs, your, your vital organs. And here's what Paul is saying. We've got to put the breastplate of righteousness to protect what's, what's most vital to us, and that is our righteousness with God. Here's what's amazing. What Satan will love to do when he begins to have close combat with you, he will know right where you're at and what you've done wrong because he watches us. You know, he'll, he'll put into our minds uh, what you did. You'll never be good enough to really belong to God. You know, your past, it's so messed up, you have no right to ever be a part of God's family. 
You know what you did this morning? Uh, you should be ashamed of yourself. There's no way you can worship. You know what you're doing in the future? You'll never amount to anything. You'll never have a right relationship with God because you are messed up. You are a flawed. You have sinned in such a great way that you, there is no hope for you. And here's the breastplate of righteousness. It is a reminder that it is not based on me or you if we're right with God. It is based on Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And that he took our wrongdoings, our sin, and he says, they're done. They're gone. They're removed as far as the east is from the west. And we are right with God because Jesus has made us that way, not because I've done that. Here's, what Paul, here's how Paul explains it. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That's Jesus. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One of the greatest things you can do to protect your heart is realize you are right with God because of Jesus, not because of you, not because you belong to this church. We are right with God because of Christ. Now we also put on shoes of readiness. Once we have this right relationship with God, he says, put on these shoes of readiness. These shoes a soldier would often wear were constructed strong and they were rugged, but they often also had almost like cleats on the bottom where they could really stand the ground. You know, they wouldn't have to keep falling back, slipping. He says, make sure you're grounded and ready always to go forward with the good news of the gospel, which brings peace. We need to always be ready to go forward in the midst of the battle and say, hey, I'm standing my ground, but I'm ready to give an answer for my righteousness. This comes through Christ. I'm ready to give an answer for the hope I have. I'm ready to spread the gospel with anyone willing to listen. Look what 1 Peter says. Peter writes, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. You need to always be ready to move forward. And someone says, hey, how come you're standing so strong? How come you're not overwhelmed? How come uh, you're not considering giving up? Because we have a hope and a future that no one can take away. And we're going to share that through the gospel. I wonder if your feet are ready to go out from this place. Most pieces of armor that we read about in this passage are defensive, but the shoes are defensive. They let us stand, but we're also ready to move forward. The next piece is the shield of faith. For the soldier, it was a large, often metal uh, shield. They, they would, uh, history tells us they would put leather strips on it, and then they would soak the whole thing in water. So then when flames uh, of arrows would come at it, even when they would stick maybe to, to the, the shield, the, the flames would be extinguished. They wouldn't just spread. Fire couldn't overcome it. I wonder what keeps your life from being overcome when attacks come. When temptation comes, how do you stand your ground? Uh, when when uh, um, attacks come, it, 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 they literally uh, come against you. How do you overcome that moment where you feel like you're, you're being uh, overwhelmed? He says by faith. It's not by water that you put on your shield. It's you make sure your shield is of faith. A lot of times in American culture, and I've lived this, we, we want to have shields that protect us to get through the hard times. We'll have shield of facts. Well, I know all the right procedures. I know all the right things to do, and I checked all the boxes, and we're going to be able to stand. And there's some value in knowing what's right and wrong. But he doesn't say, make sure your shield of facts are in place. He doesn't say, make sure your shield of financial security is in place. Why, I love being financially secure. But guys, we live in such a screwed up world right now. Our finances could be flipped upside down and your financial security could be gone in a moment. What are you going to lean on then? He says, lean on your shield of faith that, that God has been faithful in the past and I think he'll do it again. I'm trusting he'll do it again. 
We sang about that this morning. Uh, I'm walking around these walls. It doesn't make sense right now, but I believe there will be a day where God is faithful just like he's been faithful in the past. That's the shield of faith. What do you use to stand up against the attacks? It's true right now. We're being attacked, and we have to say, God, I trust you. Also, put on the helmet of salvation. This is pretty simple in warfare. If you have a weapon of almost any type, if you have one shot, you're going to go for a headshot. If you're good with your weapon, the most devastating place to place your weapon or, or to fire your weapon is, is at the head. And Because if you can land a head blow, it almost is always fatal. Now, I haven't quite figured this out, but I've watched Fortnite a little bit over the last year. My boys have gotten into it during the winter months. They were, they were playing way too much of it, and then they didn't play. Now they're back because there's a new season. There's these new guns where they can shoot it, make a headshot at like uh, 500 meters. And, and all of a sudden, that's really all they're trying to do is see how far they can make a headshot. Because if a headshot lands, your opponent is dead in the game. Kind of a brutal type of game these kids play today. But in much the same way, Satan loves to take a headshot from as far away as he can. If he can invest as little, if he can put himself as a little of risk, but attack you from a distance in your mind, man, that's what he's going to do. You know how he's figured how to do that? I believe as much as anything through the media, through the internet. He's making headshots all the time at doubt, at deception, at uh, fear. You've got to keep your mind sharp. You've got to put on the helmet of salvation to protect yourself. Uh, am I against media and, and the internet? Absolutely not. But if Satan is attacking you, if you're being overwhelmed, you've got to say enough's enough, and I'm going to put on the helmet. Here's the way the Word of God puts it. He says, take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. If you have thoughts that are coming in your mind that aren't from Christ, you need to make a stand and stop, block it out. Ask God, is this from you or is this of something else? Because God is not a God of fear. God is a God of love, and he dri love drives out all fear. So, so what are your thoughts? Where are they coming from? If you have a, a, a student, and what we mean by that at, at, at FCC is if you have a, a student from sixth grade to a senior, they need to be at church tonight for a youth group, student ministry. Ben is going to be preaching tonight or doing a devotion, and it's what he's going to focus on, that there's so much of what we do, especially as teenagers in today's world, that Satan is always trying to get in our minds, to dull our minds, to put us to sleep, to make us kind of just feel like we're lethargic and nothing's going on. Your student needs to hear that tonight. Invite them. They're also going to have fun. But you need to know that too. What is Satan doing right now to dull your mind and, and take a stand against that? Take every thought captive. I'm thankful for football season. How many of you guys enjoy thankful football season is a little bit back? I mean, a couple of you, okay. I wish it was right here in Greenville. Man, I'm missing seeing my boys play. But I was watching some college football the other day, and, and it just, it was fun. It was good to watch, see it happening. And I started thinking about this text, and the helmet is one of the most important things they put on. I mean, they can go to war with each other. They can hit each other. And for the most part, they stay fairly safe. They've really invested in helmets in football the last few years. But it surprises me, especially in the NFL, NFL, about once or twice a year, you'll see them battling and then the whistle blow and they're supposed to go back to their sides and huddle up. And there'll be a couple big guys and they'll start pushing, wanting to make a name for themselves, wanting to make sure they take a stand against the opponent. And then they start fighting. And to my surprise, one of the dumbest things I ever see these guys doing is they take off their helmets and start fighting, you know? It's just not smart. 
They go into this battle where they're prepared, where, where their coach and their general manager are getting everything they knew to keep safe, and then they take it off. I wonder how many of you go out from this building and, and allow Satan to attack your mind taking off your helmet. It's not smart. You're going to become overwhelmed. You're going to become unconscious spiritually. Protect your minds. And once we do all those things, he says, put on the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is God's word. Here's what the word of God says about itself. For the word of God is active and alive, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and minds and the attitudes of the heart. God's word is the perfect offensive weapon against Satan. We see time and time again in Scripture where uh, the man or woman of God will use God's word to defend themselves, to protect themselves, to go on the offensive. Jesus modeled this better than anyone. Remember when he was in the desert and he was being tempted before he started his ministry? Satan came and made all these promises, said, hey, if you're hungry, uh, you can have all the food you want if you'll just do this. And, And Jesus says, but it's written in God's word, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And every time Satan would tempt him and push back, he would use the word of God and Satan would have to do what? He would flee. He would go in hiding, and he would regroup, and he'd be like, I'll try it again. I promise you, if you you use God's word in the name of Jesus with trust and with faithfulness, Satan will flee. He'll go to a weaker target. He didn't want to waste his energy on you, but he will come back because you're valuable, and you need to be in the words. You need to be put in your heart and your mind. Today, if you're here today or if you're online, uh, study God's word. If you don't have a Bible, come and take one from our sanctuary. We'll replace it. We'd rather the word of God be in your hands and sitting in these pews that we're not supposed to touch. Amen? You need to have God's word in your heart. I need to have God's word in my heart because it is alive and active. It allows us to take a stand. It it, it helps us suit up every day. When we're fully equipped with the armor, when you've put it on, you're powerful because God is powerful in you. But here's the truth we're still better together. As we're fully equipped, we must stay together in this battle. A soldier in the Roman army, uh, fully equipped, trained to use the sword and the shield, man, they were, they were a powerful weapon. But you take a hundred of them and put them together. You take a thousand of them and put them in a legion and have a general around them that could direct them for, for a different type of formations, They were amazing, a force to be reckoned with. I don't believe still today uh, in in our world, we've seen some of the unity that that was in the Roman uh, army. I mean, they they were committed to being together, to battling together. I want to show you a picture of one of their formations. This uh, this formation uh, was known as um, the testudo, and it was where we get our word tortoise or turtle, and you can see it kind of looks like a shell. When, when they would get in this formation with the shields in front and the shields on top, and, and some pictures even saw where they would get in a little formation and the shields would go all the way around, they were very strong in their defense. But at just the right time, after their enemy would come against them and they would kind of uh, throw out their weapons, they would move forward and they could move forward and take ground. Guys, I believe this is actually a picture, an image, an illustration of of the Christian community that we should have, that even as we're battling alone, when we come together, we're much stronger and better together against Satan than on our own. This is a picture of Christian community at war with Satan. I wonder if you're you're living that way. 
You might say, well, Tyson, we're socially distanced. I know. And I'm not opposed to that. But Satan is using this time maybe to spiritually distance us as well, to take us apart from being able to encourage each other, to be with one another, to support one another. And Paul transitions here in this declaring of Christian community to one of the most important things we can do together, and that's pray. Here's what Jesus declares, though. He says, I will build my church, and the church may look a lot like that. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. When we're together, when the church is bound, and we're, we're together in God's word and his faithfulness, and we're committed to realizing our righteousness comes from him, guys, the gates of hell cannot come against us. So if today this message at times is a little bit scary, a little bit frustrating, a little bit, I don't know. Know that when we're in community, when we're fortified, when we're in formation... Satan will not overcome us. But he ends this passage by saying this, pray in the Spirit. He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for one another. Even when you're distanced. Let them know you're praying for them. Uh, say, uh, let them literally know, say, I prayed for you today. If someone says, hey, I've got this problem, pray for them right there. One of the greatest things that, that I have been trained to do and I make a commitment to do, if there's an opportunity to pray for someone when they've shared something with me, we do that before we split up because prayer is powerful in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every Thursday for a long time now, I don't know how, when we started this, right here in this area of the church, the staff prays together Thursday morning at 9. If you're ever close at Thursday morning at 9, come on in and sit down and pray with us. There's plenty of room in the building uh, on Thursday morning at 9. But we pray about the common things, the things we all know, the things you pray about, the things you see online in our prayer group, in our prayer text. We pray for you often. We pray for the Sunday service and children's ministry. We just pray for everything that comes to mind. But then occasionally, probably happens a couple times a month, there will be something intense that happening right then that we'll get a report out, and, and we emphasize on that prayer, that prayer need. This past Thursday at 9 o'clock, one of the staff members said, there was a person in their life who was struggling with depression, with drug use, isolation, and no one had heard from this person in a while. And, and people close to them were fearful for their life. It was one of those things. Satan had, had kind of been working on them. They had isolated them. And we were afraid death was going to come to this person. They've struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts probably even before. They've definitely been addicted to drugs. And we we're like, man, this is serious. So we prayed for that person. Guys, within that hour, we had a report that as we were praying, that person reached out for help. And later on that afternoon, D. Arms, our care pastor, was able to contact the person, and we put them up through the weekend, what I understand. And now, tomorrow, that person is going to receive the, the mental and primarily spiritual help they need to overcome their attack that is on their lives. And we believe they are secure at this moment. We need to pray for them. Let's praise God for that. <laughs> Who knows what would have happened? We did not do it. But if we had not been willing to pray and take time to do that, who knows what would have happened in that gentleman's life? If they had not, uh, someone had not been aware of their need and been in relationship with them enough to know they're missing, what would have happened? I think the devil would have had another victory and death would have come to that person, very likely. But that person lives. I wonder who you're praying for. The battle is real, but our victory is secure. We're going to close today by singing a song that you know well, Victory in Jesus. And once again, if you're listening, you've never given your life to Jesus, 
Today can be the day where you have victory that no one can ever take away. If you uh, give your life to him and you say, Lord, I trust in you, your future can be secure because of your, the victory you can have in Jesus. Maybe you've been a part of the family for a long time. You, you realize you haven't been fighting. Maybe it's a day where you realize, I'm going to put on the armor and I'm going to fight. I'm going to take a stand. Because the devil's he's claiming ground. But we can say, no more. Not my life, not my family, not my church, not my marriage. Devil, you have no place here. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father in heaven, we declare in the name of Jesus that Satan has no place in this church, in these families, in the lives of people that are pursuing you. Lord, you're greater than anything that Satan can throw at us, so we trust in that. Lord, as we declare this victory day, if someone needs prayer, if someone wants to give their life to Jesus, I pray they would move and share with someone that they can begin to continue to talk with. If, if they would like to come forward to, to speak to dear I, I pray that they would move today and not be held back by any distractions. In Jesus' name, amen.